I would like to acknowledge that the land on which this podcast is recorded on is the traditional lands of the Ghana people and that their cultural and heritage beliefs are still as important to them today. We strive towards reconciliation for all Australians and recognise that this starts by acknowledging, understanding and educating ourselves on the past in order to work towards making a better future. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello and welcome to Bright Psych with Danny, where we talk mental health, learning and everything in between. Although we will be chatting about psychology and well-being, the content of this podcast is for educational purposes only and does not constitute therapy, nor is this podcast intended as a substitute for professional mental health or medical care. Please seek assistance from a qualified mental health or medical professional to obtain advice or psychological treatment that is tailored to your specific needs. Throughout the pandemic, we spent a lot of time away from each other and instead engaging and watching each other online. One platform that experienced a boom in popularity was TikTok. Its popularity amongst young people has grown with its mix of music, lip sync videos, dance, comedy and information sharing. It has offered a new and unique way to interact and engage in online content. It has grown from a platform where you can just do fun dances to catchy music to a platform used for product promotion, discussion of health concerns, the provision of health advice with varying levels of information credibility. TikTok's sensitive and clever algorithms zone in on a person's individual area of interest. Once you like a post or even if you stall for a moment and watch a TikTok rather than scrolling past it quickly, you'll be bombarded with short videos of a similar nature which is just one of the many ways that TikTok gets people hooked in and scrolling for sometimes hours at a time. Alongside the music and dances on TikTok, there are also a lot of people on there sharing very personal stories that are easily digestible into brief videos less than a minute long. And we are now hearing language amongst the wider population that was once limited to the therapy room. Terms like trauma, anxiety, OCD, projecting, unsafe, gaslighting. They've all started to be used in day-to-day conversations to describe everyday experiences. There has also been a noticeable trend in self-diagnosis. Once upon a time, we may have turned to Dr. Google and misdiagnosed ourselves with a terminal illness, which turned out to be a common cold. Are we now seeing a shift towards Dr. TikTok? My name is Danny O'Connor and welcome to Bright Psych. Today, we are going to be discussing social media's impact on mental health, the pros and cons of this, and how young people's engagement in online content might impact their feelings of connectedness, belonging, and their behaviours. In case you haven't been scrolling TikTok, When the For You page starts to take you down the rabbit hole of mental health, it can start to sound a little bit like this. Put a finger down weird anxiety symptoms you thought nobody else had. 
Signs you have been mentally abused. Number one, you apologize all the time. Five signs that you might be depressed. Yo, I just seen a TikTok that said if you make fake scenarios in your head before you go to sleep, it's a sign of mental illness. Five signs that you have major anxiety. If you are age 14 to 17, here are three signs you have bad mental health. And I can almost guarantee you you have signs you could be autistic. Did you know that there's such a thing as betrayal trauma? Things you didn't know were symptoms of complex trauma. Getting overwhelmed in crowds. Things you don't realize you do because of your ADHD. You've been listening to the same song. People without OCD versus people with OCD drinking water. With that, your six quiet signs that you may have borderline personality disorder. Posts like these are amongst thousands of them like this on social media, and they are everywhere, racking up millions of views. Social media platforms like TikTok have been increasing the awareness of mental health. And in a world where traditionally mental health has been a bit of a taboo topic, it has been refreshing to hear people start to talk about the importance of mental health and well-being. The anonymity of social media can provide a bit of a safe space for people to express themselves and reveal their personal experiences with mental health without the risk of stigma or judgment from close people in their lives. Other benefits from social media include the ease of communication, particularly with people who might experience difficulties with face-to-face communication. This can include people who struggle with social anxiety or people with autism. Because social media doesn't require users to make eye contact or read body language, users can exercise more control over their communication with other users. TikTok videos that focus on mental health have created a platform for individuals to engage in candid self-disclosure about their struggles with mental illness, which in turn may be assisting with destigmatizing wider conversations about mental health. That word, self-disclosure, it's where someone shares a personal story in this context about their experiences with a mental illness. It's actually a therapeutic tool that mental health clinicians sometimes use in the therapy room, and it can be an extremely validating experience for the client. Therapists use self-disclosure, for example, to appropriately disclose parts of their own lives where they may have struggled with grief, stress, or worry in order for the client to feel like what they are going through and what they are feeling is okay to feel. And it aims to help the client to normalize their experience and to feel more validated. So if we look at how this can be a positive thing in terms of social media, it has allowed for conversations about mental health to be more common. And as a result, people may feel as though they can talk about their difficulties more openly and seek professional support where they may not have previously felt comfortable doing so. This self-disclosure from users on platforms like TikTok has had a really positive impact on increasing awareness of mental health conditions such as anxiety, depression, PTSD, ADHD, autism and personality disorders, just to name a few. This has been an incredible step in the right direction to raise awareness, destigmatize mental illnesses and encourage people to seek professional support in a non-judgmental way. Further to this, there have been some recent studies that have found that social media has created a sense of community for individuals struggling with mental health concerns. 
And in the comments section of mental health related posts, there have been some really positive things, such as users suggesting where to seek treatment and advice on how to reduce and stop problematic behaviours. On the topic of positive social media content, there are also wonderful groups online that provide a sense of belonging for young people in the LGBTQIA community. This sense of belonging and community and safe space can have a positive impact on mental health. With billions of videos on TikTok, there is a huge amount of information that can spread rapidly. And when the TikTok algorithm realizes that you are interested in mental health, it'll start to show you more content related to mental health. The algorithm will then narrow down even further when you start to show an interest in a particular area of mental health. For example, anxiety. Then it will start to show you endless videos to scroll through about this mental health condition. You might have started looking at these videos because you have an interest in mental health and then started realizing that you can kind of relate to a lot of the things that the other users are sharing from their experience. You might even start to think, hey, that sounds a little bit like what I'm struggling with. I, I wonder whether I have anxiety. On one hand, this can be a really positive thing. You can relate to the content in the video and something clicks inside your head. You might think, maybe the overwhelmed feeling I'm having is actually anxiety. Maybe it's more than stress. And then you realize that it would actually be kind of useful to chat with your GP about whether it might be worthwhile seeing a mental health professional about this. On the other hand, it can lead to self-diagnosis. Someone might watch these videos on social media and start to do some more reading up about the condition online and then diagnose themselves with a mental health condition without consulting with a trained professional first. There can be pros and cons to this and there are a variety of reasons why people go down the pathway of self-diagnosis. For example, long wait lists, costs of medical or allied health appointments, lack of services available to provide a formal diagnosis. So it can actually make sense why people self-diagnose. However, what are some of the costs of self-diagnosis if it goes too far? Today we're with one of our youth workers here at Brighton. Her name is Liana Maliono. Welcome, Liana. G'day. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do here at Brighton? I am a youth worker at Brighton. I work in the middle school with the year sevens to nines. Um, and I, I basically support the young people with potential mental health support and referring them to services that are appropriate for them. Sometimes they might just need a bit of a chat and a bit of a debrief. Mm. And we're about to start up a couple of new programs as well, which is very exciting. Very yeah. exciting. And so, Liana, what have you noticed with our young people here or other people in your lives around that effect that TikTok or Instagram mm -hmm. or whatever might be having on mental health and self-diagnosis? Yeah, look, I think it's become super common for young people to put in a wellbeing referral here at Brighton and then we'll meet with them and they'll say, oh, I think I've got this because look at this and then I'll show yeah. you like a TikTok or something else that they've seen online and they'll completely misdiagnose themselves or they, it, sometimes it might actually lead to getting an actual diagnosis, but in most cases, I think it's them just thinking that they've got this or that because of a little video that they've seen by yeah. a social media person. I've even noticed like in my personal life as well, we've got friends coming to me and being like, oh, I saw this video, like I saw this TikTok or I saw this Insta reel. What do you think? Do you think I have this? And it's like, 
wow. Well, yeah. <laughs> That's a really big thing. And also let's like bring it in a second. Like, yeah. Reel it in. Yeah, yeah. 100%. And then I think you find that they'll come and they'll say these things. But then when you encourage them to go and get some support from an actual professional that mm. can give a diagnosis or the right kind of support, then they kind of backpedal or they just get really, really scared about actually getting a yes or a no, I guess. Yeah. Self-diagnosis. Yeah. And then you kind of hit that brick wall where you can't yeah. really go any further. Anyway. So what do you reckon, Danny? Like we, if we're seeing this stuff happening in our own lives and in our work, what are some pros and some cons about self-diagnosing through social media? Yeah. So it, it can be a really good thing and we can talk about how it destigmatizes mental health and it allows people, young people, adults, adolescents to be talking about mental health in a non-judgmental way and start to seek the support that they do need. And it kind of gives young people a sense of control and empowerment mm. around their mental health as well. So they can look at these videos and be like, oh, this might be going on. I might go speak to Leanne or I'm going to talk to mum about this. And then that can go down the pathway of early intervention and seeking that professional mm -hmm. help as well, which is what we want. We want people to be getting help for the things that they're struggling with. And I guess then if we're looking at the cons of self-diagnosis, I mean, yeah, what you were saying before around how it can actually lead to misdiagnosis, mm. I worry a lot around the misinformation mm -hmm. of things that we're seeing on TikTok from people who are definitely not qualified to be talking about what they're talking absolutely. about on TikTok. What's trending well. at the moment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. the trends. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess that's where it it concerns us around there's just no regulation mm. around what information is being spread on TikTok. Dr. TikTok. Yeah, Dr. TikTok. Mm. And I guess like that rapid dissemination of mm. information and TikTok is so new, there aren't really any checks in place to like look at that evidence base behind the videos. Yeah, that are being posted. But we might self-diagnose and we might talk to our friends being like, oh, I think I have anxiety. And, you know, it's all well and good to self-diagnose, but then what? Yeah. And I guess that's another con Absolutely. as and well. It's, it's a real shame when we see that misdiagnosis by a, a child mm. and then they kind of turn that into a self-sabotage because then they're using that as an excuse and yes. getting them out of all these things. Yeah. Like anxiety is a classic one where yeah. they're saying that they've got anxiety it's because they're stressed. Yes. They've just got like a test coming up. Yeah. And then they'll be calling home and emailing home even saying, Mum, I need to come home because yeah. I'm so anxious. Yeah. But no, you're just a little bit worried. Yeah. It's okay. That's normal. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly. It's like that normal experience that every kid would be going through yeah, with that stress. Exactly. And I guess it's where it's just magnified because of what they've seen on social media. Yeah. And it's actually we don't need to. label. Yeah. And they're yeah. pathologizing it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's almost a self Filling prophecy. Yeah, and then they do become anxious. Exactly. Yeah. And like you'd said before around like Dr. TikTok, yeah. literally I was thinking here, you know, if we used to go mm. and have Dr. Google, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, oh, yeah, I have a runny nose, I have a sore throat, oh, my shoulders are a bit sore as well, and Dr. Google would be like, definitely cancer absolutely we've absolutely. all had cancer from google i've had hundreds of bouts of cancer yeah. and <laughs> and but the thing is if i use dr google to self-diagnose with cancer i can't just walk into a chemotherapy yeah. clinic and get chemotherapy and so with mental illness if you self-diagnose it's just a dead end road and mm. 
you it might initially provide you with that sense of control and validation being like oh my gosh this is what's going on for me fantastic it has a name I'm not a crazy person this is okay and then without taking those steps to follow up how you can get help it just becomes a label and just nothing else yeah exactly so Danny we were talking about how there's like this spread of misinformation on TikTok much like Dr. Google as well. We've all had cancer. (laughs) Is there any research actually coming up in that area that we can rely on? It's such a new area of research. And so we know that TikTok's really just kind of had this boom since the 2020 lockdowns for COVID. Mm. And so the research is definitely still in its infancy, but it's going to be growing. There's been a lot of things just published in the first part of this year. Um, So there's a study from the Dublin City University um, and they titled it Using TikTok for Public and Youth Mental Health, a Systematic Review and Content Analysis. They found that the information being spread on TikTok for mental health, the accredited verified information was absolutely the vast minority. Yeah, right. And so that kind of presents the dilemma for the wider TikTok audience. And our question here is to what extent can a teen or preteen user distinguish between reputable information and someone who doesn't have any qualifications just spreading misinformation? So that's the difficulty that we're facing is there's misinformation being spread and then younger people aren't able to differentiate between Absolutely. what's and real and what's not. Like I'm working with 11 or 12-year-olds yeah. and they're on TikTok. They're diagnosing themselves. Mm-hmm. They are like not to belittle their intelligence, but they're only 11. They're not going to yeah. understand scientific research to that no. extent yet. No. And they don't have the ability to understand or regulate their own yeah, understanding of mental health and everything yeah. like that. So they, I mean, it can be good if they're coming to us to seek further clarification and guidance. Yes. But if they're just riding with that diagnosis from TikTok, it's It's, going to be more damaging. Yeah. Yeah. And so this Dublin City University study, they also found that the videos that had higher engagement Mm -hmm. were the ones from personal creators. Right. So not... Little dance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's literally what I'm about to say. So (laughs) they found that the people who are using their own experiences with mental health to send out their messaging, um, they're the really, really engaging ones who integrate dance and music Mm -hmm. and lip syncing, humour, lighting and acting out of personal characters to kind of elevate their message and the engagement of that message. And then when they compared that to official organisations and public health organisations or charity organisations, they were able to engage a very limited amount of these features. And so less people are watching Mm. them, they're less interesting, which means less views, which means that professionally sourced and verified information isn't spreading as far. So we need more doctors dancing. We do need more dancing doctors and psychiatrists and psychologists. We need to get on TikTok. The other research study that's just come out from UniSA, so Mm -hmm. nice and local, they published a paper that found that nearly two-thirds of the top 100 fitness influencers on social media are publishing, quote, dubious information with around a quarter presenting hypersexualized content, objectification or nudity. Mm. Uh, They found that on face value, the accounts might share inspirational photos and videos and quotes about fitness and healthy eating and that can seem like a really good thing from the outside but then when you scratch the surface a little bit so much of the information being spread is just not promoting healthy eating or lifestyle choices and it's actually encouraging the opposite so two-thirds of the top 100 
fitness influencers spreading misinformation and dangerous messaging. The third thing that I found was a study from the Georgia Institute of Technology, mm-hmm. and they spoke about how there are particular like giveaway signs or tells for when a video on TikTok is spreading mental health misinformation. So the first one is that the content creator does not have any relevant medical or health qualifications to back their statements. Their giveaway? Nor do they disclose their lack of qualifications anywhere within the video no. or its description. The second one was that the symptoms they share for the diagnosis that they're talking about are just purely anecdotal and they're not backed by any official diagnostic criteria for the condition. So it's things like the DSM. They're not actually Mm. referencing anything like that. The third one is that they encourage viewers to self-diagnose themselves with a disorder by prefacing the video with something like signs you might have this mental illness or yeah 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 or you probably have this mental illness if you can answer yes to these five questions when we were teens and we're probably going to try to get our hands on like a Clio or Cosmo magazine and doing the quizzes like oh my gosh am I this or that yes absolutely but parents could regulate that better so far We've spoken about the recent upward trend of mental health self-diagnosis based on what people are viewing on social media. It's not always a bad thing because it can lead to decreased stigma when it comes to speaking about mental health and an increase in seeking support for well-being. However, there have been some concerns raised by professionals in the mental health field, particularly around misdiagnosis and the pathologizing of presentations that might actually be pretty typical for the situation that this individual finds themselves in. For example, feeling stressed when you have an exam coming up is a pretty typical experience. However, this might not mean that you have an anxiety disorder. The research in this field has indicated that the vast majority of videos on social media relating to mental health are created by individuals who do not have qualifications in the field, and in many cases can be spreading misinformation and dangerous messaging. This has been a bit of a dilemma for both individuals who might be struggling with mental illnesses and for mental health professionals. On one hand, People who might turn to self-diagnosis often have a good reason to do so. There might be long wait lists or the cost of healthcare providers can put a roadblock in accessing services. And we can also acknowledge that there are individuals who have self-diagnosed that do so based on more than just watching a 30 second video and they are on their own journey to seeking professional support. Whilst for some, the initial steps towards self-diagnosis can be useful, People can learn more about their internal states, what they are feeling or going through, or just finding the words to explain what is going on and then finding relatable content that can feel really validating. If theoretically people are using this information correctly, they can go to a credible source, their GP, psychologist or youth worker, for example, to help guide them through that journey. The problems that arise from self-diagnosis and the concern that healthcare professionals have can lie in where someone might become so entrenched in self-diagnosis that they use it to self-treat or to self-manage it. We're going to discuss what might go on if the self-diagnosis is incorrect. And if you're wondering what some of these videos spreading misinformation might say, make sure you stay tuned in. You're about to find out. I've got something special in store today. I've actually 
written down some TikToks verbatim. I am excited. For Liana to read out live for us today. Get my TikTok voice ready. Please get your TikTok <clears throat> voice ready. I'm going to have to do the dances as well. So Liana's got three TikToks that she's going to read out. No, you're not allowed to read them in advance. Yeah. Blind reading. How do I do that? <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Five signs that you have psychosis. It's really hard to think clearly and or concentrate. You see or hear things that aren't really there. You stop socialising. Your grades are dropping. It's really difficult to keep up good hygiene. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Psychosis. It's, like, it's common than psychosis, isn't it? Yes. Yes. It's everywhere. Absolutely. It's everywhere. The socialising, the grades yeah. dropping. And then only five signs. Only five signs. That makes sense. Absolutely. Can you read out our next one? For sure. If you answer more than five of these questions, mm. there's a good chance that you might actually have OCD. Do you have a fear of having bad luck? Do you have a lucky number? Have you ever checked something over and over again like a stove to make sure it's off? Do you feel like your mind is stronger than you? Do you have a fear of losing people? Do you feel like someone else is controlling you? Do you worry about your stove starting a fire? Do you ever find yourself counting things? Are you afraid of dying? Again, we've all got psychosis and OCD. Yeah, I have both of those conditions. Please. Our third one is a very short one. Right, okay. <clears throat> Signs you have bipolar 2 disorder. Never reach a full-blown mania. Good self-confidence. Feeling very energised. Feeling more creative. That does not sound like yeah. anything in DSM. What? Yeah. Yeah. I would like to see what that one looks like. Yeah. That one was, he was just a guy. He was just dancing in his bedroom to some flashy lights. Yeah, I bet he was. Yeah. It was. Wow. Yeah. And so this is the kind of information that's. That's terrible. And that's why there. kids are coming and they'll come and complain about, you know, having an argument with someone at home mm -hmm. and they'll be like, they're so bipolar. Mm. That's not what that is. Not what that is yeah, at all. Is. The, so when we were referencing the DSM, that's the Diagnostic and Statistical mm -hmm. Manual of Mental Disorders. And it's what mental health professionals and doctors, psychiatrists all use to formulate who meets a certain criteria in order to be diagnosed for a mental illness. Mm. And if we're comparing... What you've just read out, Liana, <laughs> mm -hmm. to the official DSM, it's like chalk and cheese. Absolutely. This is just so <sighs> general. Yes. And just, and, and like anyone can have an experience every day. Yeah. Right? Like, oh, I've got a soccer game coming up. I've got a lucky number. So that means I've got OCD. Yes. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. yeah. Kind of terrifying. No. They're just such, they're, they're massive, gross generalizations and if you have a look at their profiles, there are no qualifications listed mm. for any of these people. And that's really, really concerning. And the internet is such a scary place and there's a wealth of information out there. And there's some really amazing, incredible resources and empirical research. Mm. And there's even content creators on TikTok who are psychiatrists yeah. and medical doctors, and they're spreading really, really great content. And then there's content like this. Although that OCD one is just terrible. But if this is your first port of call and you're just like, oh, that sounds a little bit like me. And then you start to actually look at some credible resources mm. and then perhaps follow that up with a GP yeah. appointment or going to see a psychologist or having a chat with someone like a youth worker about it. And there's parts of each of these snippets here mm -hmm. that could be attributed to living with a mental illness. Mm. And then there's parts of it that can be attributed to just being a normal human living their day-to-day -day life. Absolutely. Yeah. 
And then there's parts of it that can be attributed to a completely different mm. mental illness altogether. Absolutely. In psychology, we call this differential diagnosis. So when your symptoms match more than one condition, and then we need to do some more assessment yeah. or gather more background information before making an accurate diagnosis. And as a mental health professional, if you misdiagnose someone with a condition that is not actually what they're presenting with, it can have a huge impact on mm. that client or that patient. So if we look at that first video that you read out, mm -hmm. it's, she was saying something along the lines of like, you know, if you have psychosis, you stop socializing, your grades are dropping, it's really difficult to keep up good hygiene. And these can be things that are common presentations in people who are experiencing psychosis. Absolutely, yeah. that, that is, there are, those are things that people with psychosis do struggle with. And they're also common symptoms with people who have depression or yeah. dysthymia or an adjustment disorder or people going through grief and loss. Mm -hmm. And if you stop socializing and your grades are dropping, it could be anxiety or it can be a response to bullying or it could be things that are going on at home. Really and to jump to psychosis. So, much, so yeah. much extreme. And to make like a 20 second video stating mm. that these symptoms could be you having psychosis is incredibly misleading and it very, kind of diminishes scary. that person's like the person's experience that is actually suffering absolutely with psychosis. Yeah. yeah it's so invalidating for a person absolutely. who is struggling with yeah. that actual disorder and i think we do have to appreciate that the tiktoks are kind of helping to reduce stigma in a way because we're normalizing the conversation mm -hmm. and kids are more aware and it, not just kids people are more aware of mental health concerns but it's, yeah, when it's that slippery slope and it becomes an overdiagnosis and then it becomes almost damaging and, like we were saying, self-fulfilling prophecy mm -hmm. that could lead to actual struggles. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. And, yeah, the self-fulfilling prophecy and, I guess, as well, those self-limiting yeah. behaviours. And that's something that really springs to mind for me is a really big self-limiting behaviour that I've had in my life is when I was a lot younger when I was in primary school and high school, I, I wasn't great at maths mm -hmm. and I started to tell myself I'm not good at maths. And then that turned into, I can't do maths. And so I never really tried. Yeah. I for stopped sure. trying. There's negative affirmations. That's kind of what we get from the TikToks and then it turns into that. And then we suddenly have it. Yeah. 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 And now I look at maths problems or really mm. simple mathematic things that come up for me. I'm just like, oh no, I can't do that. Ha <laughs> ha. I yeah, can't do maths. Yeah, and 100%. I set myself off still yeah. and being so aware that that's my own self-limiting belief that I've placed on myself mm. because I've just chosen to not be able to do maths. That's, and that's maths. So imagine being a young person and seeing all of these mental health diagnoses on TikToks yeah. and that's what you're going to live with for the rest mm -hmm. of your life. Yeah. If you're believing that. And I guess for some people, like, there are huge barriers mm. if you have ADHD or if you have been yeah. diagnosed with PTSD. There absolutely are huge barriers to being able to get the assignment done or being able to organize yourself and stop yourself from reacting impulsively in arguments. That doesn't mean that the person isn't able to learn the psychological skills to do better and try harder yeah, and exactly. learn how to cope effectively because these are absolutely legitimate reasons for why people might struggle day to day with these things. And that's why that evidence-based psychological intervention can really help people function in their day-to-day -day lives and be able to live that life that they want to mm. live in the longer term. Yeah. It's important to not use a diagnosis as an excuse or to 
use it as a deficit so to say you can't do something because yeah. it was like every sentence there was I can't I can't I can't mm -hmm. it's important to be able to use that diagnosis so that we can use and find tools that are actually going to help us still be successful yes. and lead a life that we want to live yeah absolutely yeah. Danny do we know what is actually driving people to do this in the first place so yeah so it it's a it's in human nature to want to connect with other people and it, it drives us to want to find a sense of belonging and community where you, you want to relate to other people. So mm. if someone is telling you that this is their experience and you want to relate to them, why wouldn't you draw the conclusion that you must have the same thing? And a lot of the time there are aspects of these videos that people absolutely can relate to, like for example, I struggle with stress and worry mm -hmm. and particularly at work when there's deadlines and competing demands. And that, but that doesn't mean that I have generalized anxiety disorder. No, that means you have a job. Yeah. And so it's that thing where, you know, when I'm, I send funny memes to my work friends about like workload every now and then when I'm yeah. feeling stressed and, you know, we have a laugh together and yeah. we move forward from that. We just get on yeah. without you're day. able to, being an adult brain, can differentiate between a funny meme mm. and an actual diagnosis. Yes. Yes. So I guess the biggest worry that mental health professionals have is that young people might be drawing conclusions where there's that lack of evidence of symptoms mm -hmm. or the evidence of symptoms over a longer period of time um, or are our young people being fed misinformation about a particular condition and they're self-diagnosing with something that's completely incorrect mm. and so in some cases, people might diagnose themselves and what they're struggling with might be a completely reasonable coping mechanism mm -hmm. to an everyday life situation. Yeah. And so, you know, going home and having a bit of a cry after a really big day at work, that's that's pretty normal. Based on my experience, that is very normal. It's totally normal. And it doesn't happen every day. No. It might happen once a term. <laughs> yeah. I have like a really big cry, get it out of my system, and then that's I get okay. some hot chips. And oh I man, yeah, better. I get yeah. them on the way home. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna have a cry first before the hot yes. <laughs> Let's look at grief as another mm -hmm. example. And it's it's a painful experience for anyone to go through mm. and it's a part of life that we can't avoid. Yeah, as absolutely. Well. It's always inevitable. gonna be a part. Yeah, it's inevitable. And it's a presentation where there's actually no specific psychological mm. treatment for it because grief is a very typical although painful experience yep. and it's a part of life and we have to go through that process to get to the other side. And if someone is going through grief and they're scrolling on TikTok, they mm. might misdiagnose themselves with depression or misdiagnose themselves with psychosis based on the TikTok videos yeah, that we absolutely. were talking about before. That's it's yeah. a, and it can be a more scary damaging. pathway. Yeah. Even more damaging. I didn't think about that. Yeah, mm. so true. Yeah. Because it is such a normal part of life. And, you know, it is common for kids to come and see us here at school because they've unfortunately lost someone mm -hmm. in their lives. And I would never say, hey, go watch TikTok and see what else no. that could be. No. No. You just help them along that journey. Yeah. So it's important that they reach out, you know, and you're talking Absolutely. about what, like they are viewing all these TikToks because they want to be able to connect, but they're only connecting with the technology. There's so many people at their disposal that they can connect with here at school. It's just a matter of well, filling out a well-being referral online here yeah. or just, you know, reaching out to a mate and get that mate to help you to come have a chat or your yeah. teacher or anyone, you mm -hmm. know. Even if we do feel like we don't have people that care, there's always someone that cares. Always. You just got to get a little bit brave and have that courage and put your little hand out there. 
and ask for help. Yeah. Mm. At the end of the day, it's about responsible consumption of social media. And without the regulation of mental health content online, it can be difficult, particularly for young people, to distinguish between what is a reputable source and what is misinformation. So, how can we help our young people to responsibly use social media when it comes to exploring and learning about mental health conditions? Creating safe and non-judgmental environments that help to foster open communication about mental health is one of the best places to start. Listening actively and validating our young people when they approach us with concerns is a vital part of creating this safe space. If you're looking for tips on validation, make sure you check out episode three, The Power of Validation. Remember, not everything you see on TikTok is bad or harmful, but if you or your young person have concerns about mental health, it's about being mindful that TikTok isn't therapy. However, it is so important that you speak with them about what symptoms they're experiencing and help to guide them in the right direction of seeking professional mental health support. The school can be a great place to start and so is your GP. We want to explain to our young people that just as a doctor diagnoses and treats physical health conditions, mental health professionals are trained to accurately assess and diagnose mental health conditions and they can help us to learn new skills to better cope with the day-to-day -day challenges we may be facing. This is because getting an official diagnosis and ruling out any other issues can be the only way to access an effective treatment plan for any physical or mental illness. It might also be worthwhile having a chat with your young person about decreasing their exposure to content that is causing them distress. If their For You page is being filled up with content that is making them feel uncomfortable or distressed, encourage them to balance this by following tags that bring them joy, or they can reset their For You page altogether. Thank you to our guest speaker today, Brighton Secondary School's youth worker, Liana Moliono. If you are looking for further information about how to access mental health support or further information about what we spoke about on today's show, please make sure you check out the show notes. And if you enjoyed today's episode of Bright Psych with Danny, please share the podcast with your friends and your family and make sure you hit that follow button so you can stay up to date with new episodes. Thank you so much for tuning in today. Toodaloo for now. Music